Hey everybody, what's up? Unfortunately, I bring bad news for our new co-host that we were going to reveal today. Was unable to make it for travel reasons, but don't worry. I know I let you guys down because I was hyping it a lot last podcast, but next podcast for sure, 100% we're going to have our new co-host with us and you guys are going to love it. So stay tuned and trust me, it'll be worth the wait. Now, for the time being, this week, we are talking about territory, power, and boundaries. A lot of boundaries, because, you know, they're kind of important. So, without further delay, let's get at it. Alright, so basically what territory, power, and boundaries are all classified under is geopolitics, which is a study of the effects of geography on politics and relations amongst different states. And territoriality is basically the willingness of a group of people to defend the space they claimed. And with that, with the different acquiring of spaces, there are different means of it, such as annexation and such. But there are different theories about how states come to be, such as the organic theory created in 1844, which suggests that a state is born and needs nourishment, such as a baby. There is also the Hartland Theory, which was created in the 1860s. And basically what that was, was it suggested that Eastern Europe plus Russia and Central Asia, Asia, if that was controlled, into a Hartland would basically lead to the domination of the world island, which is Eurasia plus Africa, thus resulting in command over the world. It's a little extreme, but it has some pluses because it suggests that from a central area, everything can be controlled, which is sometimes often true. And this theory came about due to the improvements of transportation and other means of trade economy, which led to this ideal spot being able to control the world. Although this is not true, it is an interesting theory. And then something that kind of piggybacks off this is the Rimlin theory, although it's very much different because it's basically saying the opposite, that places that lie on the outskirts are the ones that have the power and will basically are needed to create this giant empire of the world. And these places usually reside like right outside the heartland and they are more crucial to worldwide power because they have more and more varied resources than just one central area. And different territoriality aspects connect to culture and economy very differently because territoriality is basically what leads to culture because certain different, certain and specific different areas have different cultures that make them unique and the culture is derived from that area. And then also economy because you have different things that you're able to do such as lumber or fishing or mining based on where you're located in the world. Next up in borders there are many many different types of borders and I will not be able to cover all of them and I'm going to talk about the major ones. 
and how there are different international and internal boundaries and borders, which are basically large scale and small scale, which means they exist on different scales of sizes. And these boundaries can be natural, meaning they're created by physical features to separate different entities. Um, geometric, which are basically when you use a map or specific coordinates and create almost a perfectly straight line of exact dimensions and positioning to create a certain area. And then also cultural boundaries, which are basically created by different human traits and behavior that exist in certain areas. And then on a more political scale, there are defined boundaries, which are established by legal documents, um, delimited boundaries, which are drawn up to show limits of a space, and then also demarcated boundaries, which are identified by physical objects placed in a certain area, i.e. fences and walls. And then there are different types of classifications. There are also different types of disputes that can arise from these, such as um, such as, excuse me, definitive boundary disputes where two or more parties disagree on how to interpret maps that identify borders. There are also locational boundary disputes, which lead to different expansions and different manipulations of certain areas. There are also operational boundary disputes where there are different there are centers not on where a boundary is but how it functions or it centers around that premise and then also all locational boundary disputes which comes up in terms of natural resources. And then there are also different classifications of boundaries, such as subsequent, um, relic, superimposed, open, and militarized. There are also, <coughs> and antecedents, if I'm saying that properly. And... Basically, most of those are straightforward, superimposed, are drawn by outside powers, militarized, are guarded, open, are free for crossing, um, subsequent are usually religions, and transcendent are basically where, are drawn before populations settle there, and relic are ones that no longer exist. And boundaries really do influence the identity interactions and exchange between different places because they basically shape, they actually, they do shape it. And they have, or they allow for different resources and stuff to be available in different areas, but it also encourages different interactions between different places and different international communities as a whole because there are places that need things that others cannot, that themselves cannot provide, so they rely on others. And that's why boundaries are so interesting in some places, because most people feel they're not necessary. Because with all the dependence 
upon each other. Really, there are no difference in boundaries except for citizenship and more legal purposes. Now, when it comes to the sea, it's very different. And uh, between the 1970s and the 1980s, there was a law called the United Nations Convention of the Law of the Sea, which was signed by almost 150 countries, and it basically defined four zones. It defined territorial waters, which was 12 nautical miles of sovereignty. Commercial vessels may pass, but others may not. So basically certain areas of which a country has control over. There's also exclusive economic zones or EEZs, which are coastal state, which coastal states can explore and extract minerals. And that is basically managed up to 200 nautical miles. There are also the high seas, which are beyond the EEZs, and those are open to all states. There are also, excuse me, excuse the interruption, I had a little bit of a coughing attack, but there are also contiguous zones which coastal states have limited sovereignty for only 24 nautical miles, which they can enforce the laws on customs, immigration, and sanitary. So after that, it can basically be a riot of people living in filth. And then on a smaller scale, like talking before, there are different voting districts and districts within a certain area. And usually there's often rezoning and Gary Mandarin, which we will talk about later. So basically, within small areas, a census must be conducted every 10 years, which is basically a count of the population to see where people are living within smaller boundaries. And then also there are cha- there can be changes in legislature and representation that redraw district boundaries so that they can even out the number of people depending on if more people move in or out and that is that is what redistricting redistricting is and then gerrymandering is more of a political drawing of boundaries for political districts and this is basically where people of different parties or groups essentially take the land and move it so that it's either in their favor or it doesn't favor one side or one group of people. And there are different types considered like like cracking, packing, stacking, hijacking, and kidnapping. And for the purpose of this video, I won't go into them much, but basically it's moving around people to prevent minorities and majorities and also different voting tech not techniques excuse me different voting tendencies and 
there are some negative effects as well as positive, like I talked about before, how it keeps people from openly moving. That's a plus because that can lead to overpopulation and then governments would not be able to function. But also, it's a plus in that sense, but also a negative for some people. But also it's a negative because it prohibits some trade within countries so they're not as economically stable as they could be without boundaries. Now, language and religion are also impacted by this because if you cross a border, you could be in a whole different religion, speaking a completely different language, and you have no idea what the heck you're talking about. You're like in... I don't know, you're someplace in the Middle East, and you're like, oh, law. Trust me, I know people who be like that sometimes. But these are called shatter belts, where one suffers the instability, because the locations vary so differently because of different regions. And historically, this is in Eastern Europe between Western Europe and Russia because people in the West did not know any Russian and vice versa. And then they were unable to communicate. And also religion because West Europe was Roman Catholic and Russia was Orthodox. Now, I know this is getting lengthy, but I like talking about this stuff because it's fun and I enjoy it. But also ethnicity, nationality, and economy like we've been talking about have some say in boundaries because ethnicity are with superimposed and can be enforced by a dominant nation or ethnic group. So the boundaries are changed based on different nations, which ties into nationality, a strong sense of a place of their nation and ethnicity because tended, because more often than not, a group of similar people of ethnic race will most likely conjugate and settle together. And with that, there are different types of states too, as there would be anywhere, different types of how governments are run. There's federal and then unitary, and basically federal believes in more shared power, and the other believes that the government and central government should hold all of the power. And the power is not split. It is held in one spot where in federal it is dispersed amongst many. And then there are local powers as well, which vary depending on how much power is granted. Just like in the United States, how states have certain laws and rights that they can put into place for their citizens but they do not hold all the power individually which is respond which is mainly handled by the federal government and then just one more thing i want to talk about is more morphology and what that is is a state's shape and how this influences people and how it allows the state to interact is usually there's a place within a country or a state that is highly populated and it's their central region 
and that's where all the people are, that's where the main government is, and then there are the outlying areas far from its center. And these people are usually not involved, and that's where we come up with this issue, because it's hard for them to receive goods and services. It is not the best feeling because they feel that they are unrepresented in government because they're so far. They also feel isolated from other people because they live so far off from where most of the activity is happening. And they have a tendency to demand strong local control over many different things, including natural resources, so it's going to be difficult, and this leads to internal political conflicts within different places. And mainly the five different types of state morphology are compact states, which are basically their distance from the center, and it's not that significant. So mostly it's a smaller state such as Poland where everything is more compact where you will still have some distancing in the very edge near the border but not as much. You also have elongated which causes a problem such as Chile where everything's just spread out and it's very difficult for communication and travel as well as governing and defending. Then there are also prorupted states, which are a compact area with an extension to India, where you got this good compact area who everybody's living life, and then you got this one little finger that's sticking out, and it's difficult to protect, and there's limited access there, and it just causes many problems. There's also perforated, and what that is is that a state is it what it is is a state that completely surrounds another state so basically there's a state inside another state and it causes problems because you got this big state and then we're smack dad in the middle you got this other state and it causes problems for you and mainly that surrounding state is dependent on the other state for travel and food so the state that's in the middle is like yo you need to give me everything it's like a baby in the womb lots of problems lots of work an example this is south africa and then finally a fragmented state which is like the philippines the philippines indonesia and the united states where there are multiple places scattered from the core which causes problems with trade communication, travel, and the distribution of power. Alright, so that's basically all I have for you. And then on top of this, most one final comment is most places acquire land in different territories through colonization, annexation, and different means of bringing in new places and losing new places. And I just want to tie this in to one thing, to one well-known example of how taking over control and having such a large span doesn't really work out for the best and usually how compact supporting this is better so during world war ii 
the German, per se, empire, or the Nazis, went all across Europe, invading many of the countries we know today. But with that problem is, you only have so many soldiers that are able to defend it. And with people coming in from all around, trying to eliminate this new empire, essentially, that's taken over much of Western Europe. You're limited in supplies because you have to have people everywhere, and that causes problems, which eventually led to the downfall of the Nazi empire because they were forced to retreat back in so that they could remain more centralized and not give up the main core of their government. And I know that this got a little off topic, but I like to add some kind of connections. And with that, thank you guys for listening. Next week, I promise you, we got some new guests. And co-host, co-host. Alright everybody, that's all I have for you this week. I'm so sorry, I've completely lost track of time. And this podcast ran a little longer. I understand if you want to skip through parts, you're still going to get as much, you're still going to get some valuable information. I know you're going to love it. And remember to stay tuned for next week because I promise no lies. Our new co-host is going to be joining us and we might even have a special guest to help announce them. I can't wait for you guys to meet them they are amazing and i think we have dr arthur special coming out that's our surprise guest i just spoiled it well thank you guys for listening and as always remember to look up every once in a while it's a big world you never know what you're gonna miss thanks guys